0: I almost came to Cleveland today. Ooh. To <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to another edition of Everyone Hates Cleveland, the podcast. I got nothing, Mike, other than I am going to be in Geneva, Ohio tomorrow to watch people swim.
1: High <laughs> hey, school swimming was I'm sorry. I, I remember having friends who were like, hey, come to my swim meet. And I was like, mm. Oh, God. For a second, I thought you were going to say you were on the swim team. But it's you- like, it's always too warm in there. There's like lots of weird echoey sounds. It just <laughs> wasn't fun.
0: Yeah. So maybe I won't. Maybe I'll just keep coming. I'll come right over to the Michael Hattery household. We could do a live podcast.
1: could. I'll turn it. I'll, uh, I'll grill. It's going to be warm tomorrow. I,
0: it's, well. Yeah, warm enough to golf. I'll bring bring my galoshes.
1: Hey, man, I can't wait to bring out my new sticks. They're beautiful. I love
0: the fact that – see, this fits us. We're both using ping clubs now, except mine are 20 years older than yours.
1: Stop it. (laughs) I was playing a set of $200 tailor-made without a six iron for the last eight years because I wrapped my six iron around a tree.
0: I don't anyone who listens to this podcast will not buy the fact that
1: you you
0: broke a club. <laughs> Sorry. I'm surprised you all, were only missing a 6 iron.
1: It's actually pretty impressive because the set I had before that which was like my junior golf set, I feel like I also broke the 6 iron of that club <laughs> also on a tree.
0: Gosh, I love the 6 iron. How of all the clubs to break. I'm actually more impressed that you've been playing without it.
1: To be fair, it's like it's the club that I hit from, like, generally, like, one, 178 to 185. So I, like, don't miss that range that much. You know, you just dial up the seven, man. I mean, when you're hitting a ball
0: 350, like I know you do off the tee.
1: Ah, <laughs> 210, 220. <laughs> uh,
0: and Keegan Bradley's leading a tournament. I'm thrilled. Thrilled. Uh, such is life. Talking about golf. That'll bring in the viewers right there, the listeners. All right, we are diving into the Cleveland Indians positional previews. First base, kind of have to dust off the cobwebs on this discussion because Carlos Santana has returned to the Cleveland Indians. And, I I mean, there's so many different directions we can go with this. Um,
1: Probably you just recycle a podcast, right?
0: Well, there's some complexity here because if we – if we, if we go back to that last positional preview first base podcast talking about Carlos Santana, I'm pretty sure that at some point we might have talked about how the manager may not have liked Carlos Santana. Um, and and again, you know, I, I don't know that we should start there, but on a level of surprise, Mike, uh, for some reason when they brought Santana back, it literally wasn't even a blip on my radar. Not in that I wasn't happy he's back, but in that. I just didn't think that this team would be interested in bringing Santana back at twenty million per.
1: Yeah, and I mean it was all just like you know, as we discussed in the last podcast, there was this part of this offseason that looked like they were just like manipulate manipulating yearly budgets so that they would then expend money, but rather <laughs> they did not. They pinch they pincheth the penny, and thus. Carlos Santana returned to his former glory. <laughs> I, I I recall having a conversation
0: with you and Gage, discussing how amazing this was because we had so many different players that we thought the Indians could bring in.
1: It was so glorious. So, so at the glorious. top of the at the top of our list for all of us were uh, Alex Wilson and Matt Joyce. That's that's who we were envisioning with the uh, what ten million in cost savings on this, seven million in cost savings on Gomes, Brantley Allen Miller coming off the books. Mm. We were all like, you know what? If we could watch Matt Joyce in spring training, I I would be fulfilled. <laughs> we talked about Matt Joyce a long time ago. There's
0: a pod out there where we talked about him. In a positive in a positive spin, but the team was completely different then. All right, let's talk about Santana. Um, you know, he left for a year. He's back. Is there any uh, looking looking at him strictly as a first baseman? And and it does appear there was some scuttlebutt, you know, this off season that perhaps Bowers was going to get you know the role at first base, and Santana would maybe DH or might might play a little bit in the outfield. Uh, we haven't necessarily seen that play out yet in spring training, but we have we have seen in the past some strange things happen without a whole lot of of usage in spring training dictating that strange stuff from happening. But Mike, it does seem like you know Santana is going to be the the first baseman um, as long as he's healthy. You know he you know I mean we've seen him for many many years. Uh, if I could turn my I'm going to turn my laptop around here so that everyone can see Carlos Santana on my wall. He has been on my wall for, for many, many years here in my classroom. Uh, I, is there anything – I mean, you know, he's obviously older. Uh, obviously, I don't think we're talking about peak career Carlos Santana. Uh, is there anything new that we we might be able to see from Carlos Santana this year um, that we haven't seen before? <laughs> No,
1: he's going <laughs> to walk a lot. I'll tell you that. He's going to walk and a lot. He's that's not going to that's, out that's, very much.
0: People are going to love that too, Mike. I that's If right. I remember, people loved that about him.
1: You know, my biggest pet peeve has always been like beyond the walking thing, is like people think his swing gets long and he like strikes out a bunch. And he's like elite, elite at putting the ball in player walking. Like he very rarely strikes out tries to be batty. So he's going to put the ball in play a lot, a decent amount. He's going to walk a lot. He's going to play gold-glove caliber defense at first base. And I don't know, maybe he hits a couple ball more balls out because he doesn't have that annoying like right field at uh, Citizens Bank, whatever corporatist, nightmarish name stadium exists in Philadelphia. I, 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 don't know. I Well, so I think –
0: my biggest frustrate, frustration with the lineup last year is that the one thing that Carlos Santana did extremely well, and the one thing he added to this lineup specifically, was a glue piece. He was a guy who willingly, I might add, was able to hit anywhere in the lineup from one to six. Um, honestly, if you look at it, where he's been hitting um, under Francona, he's hit almost I, – I, I think I did a piece – maybe at EHC prior to going to WFNY, discussing all the different places that he has batted. Um, you know, this is a guy that can hit leadoff, he can hit second, he can hit third, he can hit fourth, he can hit fifth, he can hit sixth, depending on um, what's going on with his bat at the time. Um, and it was definitely something that was missing in a lineup last year that that seemed full, uh, but but didn't have a guy that you can manipulate around the lineup. Um, they do, but they, you know, I mean, it, you're you're less inclined to perhaps move a Lindor around or a J Ram around, which makes a ton of sense. Um, I, I, again, in in when we talked catchers, I think one of the things that that frustrates me about the lineup is the lineup doesn't feel as full this year. And you know, Mike, is is that it, it, I, I sort of feel like this lineup doesn't necessarily need that kind of malleability that Santana's offense brings. Um, does that lessen his value a little bit or am I just missing something here?
1: I don't know. You know what? I entered this podcast pretty apathetic, but I think you've, you've brought me along to be joyful about Santana <laughs> for a couple of reasons. Cause I had forgotten. Carlos Santana is like one of the smartest baseball players I've ever seen in Cleveland. I don't think he gets that reputation because, well, I'm not going to say the reasons cause I don't want to start a fire. But he's, he's one of the sneaky, smartiest, smartest base runners of all time. This is a guy who's like kind of chunky, not super athletic, who had a, over three years stole 11, 5, and 5 bases as a first baseman. And He also, beyond steals, is insanely good at going first to third at the right time, going first to home on a double. He is phenomenal at that. So I think in that way he brings a lot of versatility which is why you can hit him lead off that's a really cool thing he's sneaky athletic enough he's a really bright base runner so you can hit him at lead off cuz he gets on base a ton and he doesn't get in the way and i really think that's the optimal batting lineup for the indians this year i think you lead off santana cuz i think people are going to get really frustrated And i don't want to listen to the crap where santana's hitting fourth third and stranding Ramirez and Lindor. So I think what you do is you take the guys in Ramirez and Lindor who walk a little less and strike out just a tick less. They're all elite at doing all of those things and hit them after Santana. Uh, so I I think the lineup part of this is interesting because
0: I I, you know, Gage and a, you know, posted a, a a lineup that had Santana leading off. And I think, you know, without Lindor, if you know, obviously that becomes, I mean, Lindor is a good leadoff hitter. I mean, let's make no, no, no mistake there. I I, I just, is Francona going to hit him lead? Like, I, I I struggle with this because I do like Santana as a leadoff hitter. And I think that I like the lineup that, you know, you, you mentioned with, with him leading off that Gage talked about the other day as well. Um, You know, having a switch hitter at the top of the lineup and a guy who gets on base quite a bit, um, it does take away the whining and moaning of people, like, thinking that he's going to be a 40 home run guy and 120 RBI guy. Um, I I guess, you know, reality, is he going to, you know, when Lindor's healthy, is he going to hit leadoff? I mean, I I love the way the lineup shakes out with him hitting leadoff, but is that going to happen? I'm sorry. I am serving things up a little bit here, but it is a legitimate question. I mean, I I just I don't necessarily see that becoming the regular lineup. I think that Francona just likes having Lindor hitting leadoff, regardless of whether or not it makes the most sense or not. And again, you can come down hard on me on being too hard on Francona. That's fine. I probably deserve it, but you know, would the lineup shake up better with Santana hitting leadoff? And will it ever happen?
1: yeah cause I'm gonna give you a hard time about criticizing Francona. I'm the guy <laughs> who's gonna do that. like I love so much of the season is like, well, these kind of these pieces kind of make sense if they're used correctly, which I'm really not sure if they're gonna be used correctly. Uh, whatever. Uh, no, I'm not optimistic he'd trust Santana at leadoff. Yes, he's gonna hit third or fourth. Francona is gonna split all his twitch hitters like he always does. He could hit fifth, which is just a huge waste of Santana's best skills.
0: <sighs> he could surprise us, Mike.
1: Yeah. All right. <laughs> deployment's not great. Deployment, deployment is a minus for this position. <laughs> but the great thing is he's a really good defender. Everybody loves him. Players, like, love Santana. He's funny. They love him in the clubhouse.
0: Yeah, I think I mean I, I think there's a lot of things that that make him a, a boon to this lineup, and I'm glad he's back. Um, I think he had a sneaky good season last year. Um, you know, I, I think playing playing at Progressive Field is going to help him out tremendously. Um, I, I didn't realize that the Phillies used him as as malleable as the Indians. He did did hit in a lot of different spots last year. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what the Indians ultimately do without a you know kind of. You know, I think they'll be. It'll be an interesting to see how the top of the lineup shakes out. Uh, He should be in that, and maybe he's. You know, maybe with Lindor's injury, um, you know, depending on how that plays out, maybe he's forced to start him off in the leadoff role, and maybe he just hangs on to it. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm glad he's back. I think in in a big picture sort of way, I think that that Santana coming back is a good thing. Uh, we shall see how the rest of the lineup plays out. I think a lot of the, you know, you look at catcher, you look at first base, I think how valuable these guys become really depends on, on some other guys that we'll be talking about. Actually, a guy we can talk about right now, although I think our, our real talk with him will come in the outfield. Um, I, I guess, Mike, if, if anyone else is to play first base, looking at who we know is going to be on the roster, um, I think Jake Bowers is probably the guy. I mean, I, I think there's some other guys that we're going to talk about here in a second that might have a shot. Um, you know, I go ahead.
1: No, no, no. Um, yeah, I mean, I think Bowers, to me, it would be <laughs> unbelievably stupid. If Bowers played a lot of her first bases. <laughs> Unless Santana gets hurt. I just don't understand it. He's an athletic guy playing left field in Cleveland is pretty easy and his bat plays a lot better in left field. I just think that's the place he should be. And Santana should play first because they're both, and Bowers can be a plus defender at first. Santana is one now. Um, But I just think Bowers, while Santana has always been really willing to play any position to make the team better, which is why he's one of the best players you can have in an organization, I think Bowers is going to be a better defender in left and fits really well there. And I think you just sort of like move on. Um, so I, I don't super want to talk about him there. I know Gage has written a long article. I wrote something long about him when we were back at WFNY. I think that the pickup made sense. Not sure he's better than Yandy Diaz. But I think the pickup made sense. I'm really excited about Bauer. So so that's good. Um, well, and I, I, I love Gage's piece, so you should read that. You should really definitely
0: good. read that. You should definitely read that. And I'm, I'm, I keep... They keep mentioning both Mike and, and Gage keep trying. I, I mean, I, I know I should like Jake Bowers, but there's always got to be someone who's antagonistic. So I, it's not that I don't. I just haven't spent a lot of – it. I really haven't spent a lot of time paying attention. to We'll get to him in, in the outfield. If you look beyond C&T and Ann Bowers, there really isn't another guy that stands out to me as potentially being a first baseman. I mean, you know, they're rolling out guys like Nelly Rodriguez, and, you know, we saw Bobby Bradley back down at triple I mean, he obviously the Indians – I mean if you if you are serious about Bobby Bradley as a potential major leaguer um you know it's one of those guys you have to take a closer look at you know is there any other guy Mike that's interesting to you um should Santana go down that might play somewhat of a predominant role I mean I think you know and this is not a rip on on Nelly Rodriguez or Bobby Bradley per se but it it doesn't seem like first base is a position that the Indians have um really fostered and, and really if you if you consider you know upside guys, um, you've got you know Bradley potentially at you know still a fairly young age for AAA. It, it's still being under 20 23 years old. Um, but I, I don't know, I mean, this isn't a position that they've developed very well um, you know, what's there if if uh, Hanley Ramirez, I guess, but what what's there? What's there? I mean, what do you see as happening if 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 say Santana gets hurt?
1: Yeah, I think it's. I think then it becomes a sort of like risk based play where they say, "Do we have someone better to play left field than Bradley would be at first base?" It'll just be like the next optimal prospect to deploy there. I think Bradley has the lead, and I I do think too – Aguilar was a big, was somewhat of a miss, but I don't blame them for that. I mean, he struggled and maybe he was just never that elite in the minors. I, I think with Bradley, I think it's also important when you talk about organizational depth that first base is a lot like relief pitcher generally, which is very few people are drafted or signed to do it. And if you end up at first base, it's often because you have a good bat, because you need a really good bat to carry there and you can't play anywhere else defensively. You are so inadequate of an athlete that you can't play anywhere else defensively. I just think that's what – and so I think a lot of guys, like first base prospects often, guys who are playing first base in A ball, in rookie league, and in low A, like those aren't prospects. (laughs) They shouldn't be there yet. They should be more athletic, so – I, I think Lit that it, fire. Lit that. Well,
0: well, I, I mean, I, I, I think when you look at Santana and and you know, I think the interesting thing about Santana is he is as far as first baseman go, fairly athletic guy, and um, you know, he's sort of literally. <laughs> I mean, he literally tried to do everything he possibly could. Um, to play in the field and and ended up at first base. And I think had they have moved him there to begin with, it would have been um, to see where he'd be fielding wise now would be kind of interesting. Even though he's already kind of at an elite level uh, defensively, so um, not really much more to go on here at first base. I think you know Carlos Santana. They brought him in. You're not paying a guy twenty million dollars. I don't know Edwin Encarnacion DH. So, but I mean, I mean, I don't know what they're going to do with the DH position. We'll probably do that last. Um, hopefully by then we'll have some guys that are aren't with us anymore that we won't have to talk about but um you know, I uh, can we chat Bradley for like a minute we definitely can chat yeah, Bradley Bobby for Brad, a minute Bobby Bradley, Bradley well I I so Mike I we've had some fun talks about Bobby Bradley over the years because I think had if he were three years older we wouldn't talk about him at all um and I don't know if age is the predominant reason why we still talk about him he's shown some really interesting signs over the years that, that have piqued your interest, um, on a very least, um, as we've gotten closer to triple a, I think there's still a little bit of unknown about him going forward. Uh, you know, talk Bobby Bradley, he is fairly young at 22, um, going to be 23 really soon. Um, is this guy a prospect that can, that can be, a you know, I, I, I don't want to go so far as to say an impact bat, but can this guy, you know, be, a you
1: know, two war guy down the road? Yeah, so this is the tough thing about first base, which I just mentioned is you have to be a really good bat. And Bradley's shown some signs, and there were points where I definitely owned a lot more shares in the Bobby Bradley empire than I do now. Now I'm just sort of like hanging on to a few. He has curbed his strikeout rate in the past, and he walks a little bit, and he has a nice iso. He's completely overmatched against left-handed pitching. I mean, it's a nightmare. Um, he's just going to be platoon heavily unless he makes some adjustments. He went to triple eight and 130 PAs basically just got exposed the same, like K issues that have dogged him at every level of his career. He got absolutely dominated. Um, and he also walked a lot less. And so I think, you know, there's a lot of talk about, you know, like whether Bradley is ready. And to me, there is a whole lot I have to see. From an adjustment perspective, before I think he's ready, and I think it would be, I think it'd be really concerning if they have a major injury with Santana or Bowers, because I think, I think they don't really have a lot of help at first base, and I'm not optimistic. And I think Bradley could be a good first baseman long term, but after last season, he just doesn't look ready, um, and there are some huge, huge problems in terms of him tapping into the power and making enough contact. So, I mean. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm pretty skeptical that Bradley makes a positive impact if he's relied on in 2019.
0: His his season last year overall I think was very interesting. Not only that triple A jump that that really was you know, when you go to Columbus your expectation for a power hitting first baseman with pretty decent with a pretty dis- decent walk rate, you know, your hope is you don't see a guy go from, you know, a 25% K rate to almost 35% um, and then see the walk rate drop on top of that. So, um, I, you know, again, there
1: there
0: is – maybe there was adjustment that wasn't made. Maybe, maybe something else happened. It's hard to know. But uh, the Indians aren't known to move a guy that young up to AAA unless they think he's ready or unless they think that, you know, he's got some nicks and dings that he needs to work out. So they didn't move him up there without knowing that – they thought that maybe he could make that jump. So his his first six, his first six seven weeks here at AAA this year um, will be a, an interesting watch because uh, this could be – I mean, he's already dropping off a lot of people's radars. Uh, you know, you, ha- you have a bad first month in Columbus, and, you know, he could turn into several of those guys that we've seen the Indians draft over the years that look like they could hit 20, 30 home runs at the big league level and end up playing, you know, in the Pioneer League. No offense to the Pioneer League. Somewhere where Nelly will probably be
1: soon. <sighs> but dude, he did go to the same high school as Manny Ramirez. Same pure talent too. Just never put it together. Oh, I've got some
0: fun Nelly Rodriguez stories, but that's not for this. I guy. do too, and they <laughs> can't be on there. <laughs> they
1: can't.
0: <laughs> All right, we'll probably delete that. <laughs> All right, next time up, uh, second base. Uh, we definitely need to have Gage. Honestly, if Gage can't be in the next podcast for second base, we'll probably skip it um, and move over to third and short. Um, those will be nice, easy conversations with. Uh, I don't want to say anything's going to be an easy conversation, but. All time great. Gage will be here talking second base uh, with, with Jason Kipnis, resuming his role as our second baseman in the last year of his contract.
1: Jason Kipnis, stand. Gage will. Coming up soon. We should, we should let him go solo. Yeah, it's like 20 minutes. Yeah, I think it. I think it's gonna be okay with Jason. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll close it up there. Uh,
0: two podcasts in one day. I might even post them on the same. Ooh. Day. Woo! We're back. Woo. All right. Go try. Peace.